Christina May, the online pastor at World Harvest Church in Enid, Oklahoma. You're about to hear a spirit-filled message from our pastor. So grab your Bible, and if you're a coffee lover like me, grab a cup of coffee and get ready for a personal word that God has for you today. All right, so I'm going to introduce you to our esteemed panel. I'm going to bring some folks up on the on the platform here. Our first is going to be Pastor Kinsley Jordan. He is our uh, a praise team pastor. He leads in a lot, a lot of different aspects of the church. I'll give him a round of applause. Our next is going to be uh, Pastor Brittany Juliana. Almost call almost call her Hall. Yes, she leads a youth man. If your kids are, are in this church, she's had a hand in, in taking care of them, so she's fantastic. And, of course, our esteemed pastor, Tammy Mendenhall. <laughs> Her name. She does everything, so there's, yeah, there's that. I was like, so. did you forget my name? Or? No, not at all. I was, it was that, you know, that suspense. you got to let it build a little bit. Okay. Yeah, this is strange. Cause, so pastor uh, preached first service. Um, and then second service, he said, so y'all are doing the panel. And we said, okay. <laughs> but we really do believe that God um, does have a word for us because we are in our new series. Um, if you want to throw that on the screen, it's real gratitude. Real, a lot of people didn't think we were going to share about real gratitude today. But today, I think one of the most foundational things that we can ever enter into as the body of Christ is real gratitude in the midst of chaos, real gratitude in the midst of pain for many people. I've heard many people experiencing loss and that kind of, real gratitude in the midst of a storm and real gratitude when everything's going okay, because <laughs> sometimes we forget to have real gratitude. And so um, we're going to open up just with a quick um, story from the Bible story of David, and then we're just going to see what God does. <laughs> um, but I want to start off with this story. It's found in 2 Samuel, and many of you guys know King David. He's the one who defeated Goliath back in the day when he was a boy, and then eventually he came in to be king of, the, of God's people, the Israelites. And so we see in this story in 2 Samuel that David has been king for a while. He has 19 kids. Anybody want 19 kids? I have zero, and it's already a lot. So, um, so they ha he had 19 kids. But his third son, his name was Absalom. And King David was ruling and all that kind of stuff. And then Absalom came um, to age, and he decided he wanted to turn the people's hearts away from David. And he wanted to take over the kingdom. And so... We see in this story that Absalom takes a lot of the people, but some of David's people stay with David. And so there begins to be a war that breaks out between Absalom's people and David and his people. Yeah. And during one of the battles, it's, it's interesting because the Bible says that Absalom had this gorgeous hair, which my mom didn't. She prayed over my sister Wait. to have gorgeous hair, <laughs> but she forgot to pray for me. No, but you have gorgeous hair. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> But Absalom had this amazing. So John. Yeah. You did too. You have so great hair. <laughs> she does have great hair. Well, I mean, just it's a good. side Look note. I mean, it's gorgeous. Just a side note. I did pray that my kids would have lots of thick, beautiful hair. And Brooke's hair was so thick. I was like, I'm not praying that prayer anymore because it was too hard to fix. That's so rude. But she has beautiful. Wait a minute. I should have said that. But she has like my hair. We have the same hair. Anyway, I'm sorry. This is what happens when you're on a panel. Uh <laughs> Anyway, 
anyway, but Absalom has this amazing hair. This is part of the story. I'm not just saying that. This is part of the story. He has this amazing hair. He's riding on his horse. He goes under um, this big tree, and the tree literally catches his hair. Like, the, the thorns on the tree get caught in his hair. The horse keeps going, and he's caught there. Long story short, David's men find him, and they end up killing Absalom. And there's this big victory for David and his men in all of Israel because Absalom was trying to turn people away from David, all this kind of stuff. So they go back to tell David of the great victory that had happened. And, and let me just read this first, 2 Samuel 18, 24. So Absalom just got killed. It says, while David was sitting, this is an important part. It might not seem important. This is important. While David was sitting between the inner and the outer gates of the town, the watchman climbed to the roof of the gateway by the wall. As he looked, he saw a lone man running towards them. And they tell the news about what had happened with Absalom and all this kind of stuff. It says the king was overcome with emotion, not good emotion. He went up to the room over the gateway and burst into tears. And he cried, oh, my son, Absalom, my son, my son, Absalom. If only I had died instead of you, oh, Absalom, my son, my son. Now, I want us to, this is a very small detail, but it is so important because there's this part that it says David was sitting where the king was supposed to sit. It was the space between the inner wall and the outer wall. This is the space where the king made decisions. It was where he ruled from. This is the place that David was graced to sit because he was king. And it says when he saw the watchman come, they delivered the news. It says that David left his space. And it says he went over the gateway to mourn over the news. And this is the interesting part, and then we'll dialogue really quick. But David couldn't stay in that space because that wasn't the space God called him to. And God called a man named Joab to go up to find David because he wasn't in his space. And so Joab goes and finds David. And this is what Joab says. And guess what? We're going to be Joab's to you this morning. Joab says this to King David. He says, now you go out there and congratulate your troops. For I swear by the Lord, if you don't go out and sit in your space between the gates, not a single one of them will remain here tonight. Then you will be better or then you will be worse off than ever before. And I love this. King David listened to Joab. And he goes out and he sits at a spot at the town gate. And it says all the people heard about the news. And so his men stayed. King David, who was graced to be the king of Israel, got in his place and all of Absalom's men left. And this morning, I want to talk to you about, all of us want to talk to you about how do you get back into your space? But first off, I think we need to talk about that we all have a space. You have a space here this morning, whether you know it or not, but we all have a space. Yeah, I love something that I've heard before, that we all have a grace zone, a zone that we operate in, that we actually have grace to be there in. And it's, I had heard this also about, it's kind of like Wi-Fi. Whenever you're in a space that has Wi-Fi, your electronic works, you can access. But when you're in your grace zone, there's this, you have a better access. You can hear better when you're in your sweet spot. You can call it your sweet spot or your grace zone. 
Yeah, because nobody likes that weak Wi-Fi, you know. I yeah. need, to, need to be right cool. there, right next to the thing that gives me my Wi-Fi. Can't be outside of it. It's important because the, the stronger you are, the, the more you are in your space, that area that God has ordained for you to be, the more effective you're going to be at what God has laid out for you to do. It's like when you, when, you, when you think about that moment of where he was sitting in that spot that the king was supposed to be, everybody knew. You know, you think about everybody else, that's where commerce took place, that's where business took place, that's where community took place, that's where everything was happening. If you think about, it, I'm very detail-oriented, you think about where the walls of the kingdom were, it was the walls that protected the city, it was the walls that protected the people. So they were just inside that wall that prevented the enemy from getting inside the gates. So where the king stood, that, sat, that's where, every, that's where commerce and everything was taking place. So when you think about when he left that place, everyone knew something was wrong. Yeah. And how confident can you be when everybody knows that something's wrong, but nobody is willing to talk about it? Like how, how, much, how, how, what, how much boldness and courageousness can you walk in when everybody's like, oh my gosh, the king isn't even here with us. Like even he has left us. And when you look in your own lives, and one of the things we're talking about is when you look in your own lives, we all have been put here. You could have been put anywhere, anywhere along the timeline of history. You could be on a, on a wagon train to Seattle if you wanted to be. Um, thank God I'm not, because I couldn't survive without air conditioning at all. For sure. <laughs> Might have been dead that. a long time ago. <laughs> but God could have put you at any point in all of eternity, but you are here today, this year, for a reason. And not just this year for a reason, but you are around the people that you're around and the, with the family that you have, with the kids that you have and the job that you have for a purpose. That's not accidental. That's, it's ridiculous to think it was accidental. It wasn't accidental. You're here for a reason. And when you talk about just like the king had a place that he intentionally had to be, I think the first thing today we have to realize is that there is a place that we are supposed to be. There is someone who we are supposed to be. There's a position that we are supposed to hold for such a time as this, for such a day as this, for such a year as this, for right. such a moment as this. And it's not to be a place to be silent, but instead it's supposed to be a place to be able to walk in that power and that grace that Pastor Tamer was talking about. But the, it, I mean, but it gets tough sometimes, right? If we're going to be transparent, we're going to be truthful, right? We get, I, I don't know about you, but sometimes I get in that point where it's like, God, what are you doing? <laughs> like, okay, did you miss something? I don't know. Hey, it's me. I'm right here. What's going on? I don't really feel like the promise that you told me about. I don't feel like that's where I'm at right now. And when I'm honest with myself, it's sometimes because I've done things that were I knew were outside of what it is that God had told me to do. I was a little flippant or I was a little, you know, I was loose with it as opposed to looking specifically, this is where God is leading me, staying, dedicating my time and my effort, you know, spend a little bit too much time on the phone, maybe watch too many binge, binging on Netflix, but am I really sewing into and spending my time on the purpose that God has put into my life? Am I moving too far away from that sweet spot where God has put me, that, that space, that intimate space where I'm effective? Yeah, and that's why I like what... Joab did. He's like, David, get back into your space. Get back into your zone. Because how many of you know when you walk through situations and hardships, just like David, he was walking through grief. It took him out of his place. It took him out of, I, I even see this like your, your grace zone or your uh, space is there's an anointing on you to operate in that. And the devil will do everything he can to get you out of that space. Whatever it may, may, maybe it's circumstances, maybe it's 
somebody talking negative about you or bad about you. I've seen that way too many times. Somebody will step up for the first time and maybe get on the stage and sing. I'll just use that or whatever. And then somebody may say something negative and immediately, oh, I'm not doing that anymore because I've just opened, you know, opened myself up. And so we have to be protective over what we feel like God's speaking in our heart because the enemy will do everything that he can to get you out of that space that because that's where your anointing flows. Yeah. I think when you're talking about the space of two things, and let's pause for a second and talk about the awesomeness of Joab. Right? That's good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, let, 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 there's a lot of times Christians, can I say something? This is going to be very transparent. You're probably not going to like it, and so it'll never be on a panel again. Christians oftentimes are the loneliest people there are. We're supposed to be the community that comes together for each other to hold each other up when the other people can't hold themselves up, that we come together. But oftentimes, us as Christians think that we've got to have, our, have everything together when the reality is nobody ever said you had to have everything together. The only thing God asks you to do is stay together because you don't, you're not going to have everything together. So stay together so you can support each other so you can get where you got to go. So when you have Joab, I guess the question is, do you have a Joab in your life? If you don't have a Joab in your life, you're doing life by yourself. And you most certainly will be chewed up and spit out by the enemy if you try to do it by yourself. Joab was somebody who saw what was going on with David and was like, "Mm -mm, nope, we ain't got time for this. No, 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 no. You don't understand what you're doing. If you don't get out from where you're at right now. Pull yourself Pull it out. What are you doing? You you can give a praise break for that. That's true. And here's the hard part about church, guys. This is the hard part about coming together as a community is because oftentimes I walk out of here not, not, uh, not condemned at all, but with a realization of saying, gosh, darn it, I'm really going to work on that. I ask you this today. One, the first thing we talked about, know your space. You are not here by accident. Don't try to convince yourself you're not good enough because God gave you every gift and every tool he needed you to have for this moment for exactly where you're at. Anything that you're lacking, he will provide. You're not where you're at by accident. The second thing is if you don't have a Joab of your life, if you don't have discipleship taking place, if you're not part of a group, if you just show up here on a Sunday and that's the only community you have, you are by yourself. Stop being by yourself. That's why we do this together. You've got to have somebody in your life who's willing to call you, like Jonathan Waddell does for me. He'll call me if he hasn't heard, me from, heard from me in a while. In a couple of days a week, he'll be like, hey, what's your deal? I'm like, what are you talking about? What's my deal? He'll be like, hey, what's your deal? You've got to come out. Why have you got to come out? There's just a lot going on. Shut up. No, it wasn't. What's going on? But, and and I, I know as soon as I get the phone call, I'm like, oh, Lord, here we go. Here we go. It's true. But you know what? I love it because I need it. Because yeah. we need that. We need those Joabs in our life. Somebody to be able to pull us back into our place. Yeah. Well, on a practical. I'm, I was just going to say point three is be a Joab. If, if you need a Joab, but you also need to be a Joab, it's important that you hold each other accountable. You need to be that person for that other person because you know you can see that person. Man, God's, I can see that calling in your life. What are you doing right now? God wants more for you, and you need to step up. And be, you got to be a Joab. Don't, be, don't just get Joab. Give some Joab too. Ooh, that's good. But you have to make yourself available for that. You can't just like come into church and leave right after church and never make relationship and never make connection because you'll never meet your Joabs around you that are going to be the iron sharpening iron. The word talks about that. We have to have those in our life. So I plug for groups, get involved in a group, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It, It takes, it takes that intentional step 
to be able to do it. I love what Pastor Christina shares, our online pastor, um, uh, was leading worship today. She was talking about the instrumentation of being able to fly not by the circumstances, but by the, the indications you're getting inside of your realm. The reality is there's another step to that example is that in those complex aircraft, there's, a, there's another pilot there with you. And the other pilot's responsibility is that if you're missing some, th something, they say, hey, man, you need to add power. Like, we're getting so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so, so. It out. But you, got, you have somebody else in the cockpit with you to be able to say, hey, you're getting slow. Like, hey, we need to do this. Hey, we need to do that. But that's, that's, that, that's that team mentality. Is it's not being driven by the circumstances. It's being driven by the people and the team and the jobs you have together to be able to drive you back into that place you belong, which is huge. I think the main question to, as we start wrapping up this point so we can get to really the thing that we want to hone in on is that there is a huge importance for you to ask yourself daily, am I in my space or have I left it because of situations around me? Because of the news that's being shown, because I'm getting frustrated, because life isn't happening the way I want, because that will be the thing, just like David, that will pull you out of your space. Here's the crazy part, though, is your space can be whatever you're graced for, whether that's in the education system. You, can be, you don't have to be in ministry to occupy your space. Whether that's a business person, a stay-at-home mom, um, an employee, like Occupy whatever space God has given you and glorify him and that's your space. And so you need to enter that space. And if you're not glorifying God in your space and you're not putting grace in your space, therefore you left your space. That's right. that's and right. so I'm just, if you, you're all, everybody's in a space. And everybody has been graced at this moment to be in that space, to bring the glory of God into that space. And the unfortunate part that I have seen and that sometimes I fall into is depending on the atmosphere of the world depends on how much grace I allow to be in that space. Dep depends on how much positivity and how much of Jesus I bring into my space. Because sometimes I like to talk about what's happening in the world and get a little bit discouraged and start ranting or whatever it may be with my friend instead of bringing the grace into that space. And if I don't bring my grace into my space, I've left it. And so we want to hone in. We have about like, what, 15 more minutes. But let's hone in on how do we get back into our space. And let's, let's do this verse real quick. Because this tells us how to get back into our space. This is the good stuff. Y'all better be taking notes right here. Amen. Psalms 104 says this. Enter his gates. How? With thanksgiving. And go into his courts with what? Does it mean in the rest? With praise. Give thanks to him and praise him. I truly believe the way we get back into our gates, the way David got back into his gates was instead of seeing how sad he was and how he, he decided, you know what? I'm going to praise God for what he has done in this city. I'm going to praise God for what he's done in my life. Yeah, I just lost a son, but I'm going to enter into a moment of gratitude and thanksgiving. And David sat back in that seat and it says that God blessed him. Joab said, if you don't get back in your seat, God's blessed you a lot. He's given you a lot. You will lose it all if you don't get back into your seat, into your place. And so I think gratitude is a huge thing. Yeah. And a lot of times we won't praise God until everything feels right. Most of us praise because circumstances are fantastic. Thank you, Lord. You're so awesome. You answered every prayer. You've done all of this for my life. Now I can praise you. And it's such an authentic praise because we're so grateful and so thankful for what he's done. 
But what do you do when he's not answering everything that you've been praying about? When it seems like God has gone silent, what do we do in that time? And most people, will, they, they won't praise. That's the last thing on their list. I can't, they come in heavy. They refuse to praise because until I have something to praise about, I can't praise. But the real praise is when you can praise in faith. It may not be everything perfect. It may not be every answered prayer has been checked off all of my list. It's that I choose to praise and worship a God because I love him. I serve him. He is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He's the center of my household. As for me and my house, we choose, we will serve the Lord. And because of that, I praise him. I praise him because my, he's my healer. He's my supplier. He's my, he's my everything in this life. So whether I see it or don't see it, I'm going to worship by faith. I'm going to praise and give him thanksgiving by faith. And sometimes we, I'm sorry, go ahead. Nope. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah. I'm not about to stop. Yeah. I don't want to get in, get in the way no. of that at all. No, go ahead. <laughs> okay, I, go I, I, I was just going to, I mean, I grew up in the church of God in Christ. It's like, you know, it's, they're very, you know, churchy and you don't do anything that's not churchy. It's all, it's churchy. And it's, I mean, it, it's great. I'm very blessed to, to grow up in that environment. But I remember, I remember that when the testimonies and people, we would do like watch night services and, you know, there were just, it would all be about testimonies. I, I remember, you know, the, 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 the older church ladies with the big hats and the big fancy and all that. And they would come up and I thank God for waking me up this morning. I mean, they would find a way. And I, I mean, it's, it's true. It's good. They would find a way to thank God for everything that was taking place in their life. And if you knew anything about what was going on, they were, a lot of them were living in poverty. A lot of them had, you know, their, their home life, their children were, I mean, there were so many things that they could complain about or cry out to God about being wrong, but they would find a way to praise God about something that was great. And if everything was wrong, God, you woke me up this morning and I praise you. That's just phenomenal. It was a great environment. Yeah, that, you know, that's not the, the first time that David had that mindset that he had to go back to. And it, it's a verse, the section that I've been stuck on a long time is what happened with David and his men at Ziklag, yeah. um, the Battle of Ziklag. And if you've been to a Crave Night, we've talked about this before, but I, I think it's, it's the model of what our responsibility is when we get in those hard times. Because honestly, when you, Pastor Samuel, when you're talking about that, I don't think there's been a moment where the major, major breakthrough has happened in my life and Brooke's life if it hasn't been a moment where it's like things are bad. Yeah. Like, things were really bad. I look back at my mom's situation, like, given, you know, this is back in July, July of this year, the doctors basically said, hey, you need to, you need to go ahead. Like, it's, it's pretty much over. I mean, when the doctor says that to you, how much hope is there? But in that moment, when you go to the Lord and say, you know what? Thank you for every ounce. Thank you for every minute that you've given. Thank you for the last time I got to talk to her. Thank you for everything. You... And then he moves. And then he wakes her up. And then he brings her back. You know, we could have said, oh, poor Wallace, oh my gosh. And absolutely that was taking place. But it's the decisive decision you make at the end of where are you going to stand in that last moment. And that's when God moves. And we see that in 1 Samuel chapter 30 where David and his men came back from Ziklag. And in verse 6 it says, now David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of, of all the people were grieved. Every man uh, for his sons and daughters. But David then strengthened himself in the Lord. I mean, you got a God. This would be like pastor coming in and all of us wanting to talk about stoning him. Oh my gosh, we're so bad. Can't believe he did this, blah, blah, blah. And he's off in his back room. And us as a congregation, his people are looking at him and not happy with him. And what does he do? What did David do in that moment? He strengthened himself in the Lord. He found a way to be grateful. 
And I don't know what that was like because the word doesn't say on and, and talk about how he did that. But I can only imagine that he was going back to those moments that say, Lord, I remember when you delivered me from the lion. I remember when you, thank you for delivering me from the bear. Thank you for delivering Goliath into my hands. Thank you for, and every time you start thanking, you start remembering more and more and more. Yeah, he did do that. Yeah, that's right. God did move on my behalf. You know, we've mentioned this before, but the blessing book. If you don't have a book that you're writing down all the victories and battles that God has delivered you from, then you're behind. You need to start that. And the first thing that you do when you get into a place of feeling like poor woe is me is go open up that book and remind yourself of the battles that God has delivered you from. Because there was that first step where he said, I'm going to strengthen myself in the Lord. And then he took the next step after he had that strength and that realization of, you know what? God is good. He hasn't left me. He hasn't forgotten me. He hasn't turned away from me. But instead, every single time things got bad, he delivered us from it. And then he went and he asked the Lord, what would you have me do? And the next step is he went and did it. He went out and did it. There's no way I'm convinced. There's no way that David would have had the confidence to go and do what God had asked him to do had he not spent the time being thankful. Yeah, and there's a scripture that says, give him the sacrifice of praise. The sacrifice of praise. Mm -hmm. I like to quote that, but do you know what that means? (laughs) Sometimes to praise, it's a sacrifice. Uh, When, you know, we've talked about our 2008 when we've walked through a lot of heartache, a lot of situations in that season. I remember a specific day that I had gone over to my mom's house and we prayed in the spirit until we hit a place where we started rejoicing and we started thanking him. You would have thought we were two crazy ladies, you know, because we were shouting for joy. There was no reason for us to shout in the natural. There was absolutely no reason for us to give God thanks in the natural. But we began to pray until we broke over into this spirit of faith, like, thank you, Lord. We just, you know, we just, we grabbed a hold of it, the victory. Sometimes you have to just grab a hold of the victory, even though you don't see it yet, you don't feel it yet, but you grab a hold of victory by giving him thanksgiving and praise. And so I have to say that it was, there was a breakthrough that had happened, but then there's sometimes that I've done that and I didn't get an immediate breakthrough, but just know the breakthrough is coming in Jesus name. Amen. And the power of praise. I mean, don't get the worship pastor started on praise. <laughs> Guys, you might as well cancel your lunch plans because we could be here all day. The only, the only thing I got to say to you is you have, you, we do not realize the power that is in that. It is a weapon used to crush the weapons of the enemy. We know he is a lion whom seeks seeks whom he may devour. To steal, kill, and destroy. Anything that good that God has put in your life, he literally hates it. It is The goodness that God has put in your life is the antithesis of everything that Satan is. He hates everything that is good in you. And these weapons that are formed against the situations, what we look at in the world, we look at that, those things, and it it can do one of two things. It's binary. It has one of two choices. It can either strengthen you or it can destroy you. And your choice is whether or not you choose to praise through that. Because the power that you have, when you look at the weapon that was formed to destroy you, and you laugh in its face, and then turn around and say, not only, not only is it, has that not worked to destroy me, but in fact, that has strengthened me in my stance of faith. You have driven me to that place that Pastor Tammy was talking about is because this attack or because of the situation took place or because I'm disheartened about the election or because I'm excited about the election or because I'm disheartened about finances or whatever it is, it's going to get me to a place where I have so much praise and power in trusting what God has done in my life. We have no idea what happens and the motion that takes place when we take a second to worship. 
when we take a second to praise, is the weapon you have. It's a weapon. It's yeah. the weapon you have. It's a weapon. There's nothing that shakes the foundations of hell more than when he sends a weapon to destroy you and to destroy your children and to destroy your children's children and your family and everything good. There's nothing that frustrates hell more than when it does the exact opposite of what it was intended to do. Then nothing is more frustrating to them. It's like, what are you talking about? We just, we had every, we, for the last 10 years, we have lined up everything perfectly for their destruction. And somehow it drives them into the hand to them of God, the enemy. How did this take place? This is supposed to crush them. Instead, it's made them stronger. Yeah. It's like when you think about what an immunization is it, it, or an immunization, you, you can give little doses of toxin and eventually you become immune to it. If you allow that poison, whatever that poison, if you allow that attack to take, that attack to take you out, you will never be strong enough to stand the next attack. You'll never be strong enough. You have to build an immunization to what that is and allow praise to be the place that drives you in to, to the place of sitting in what you have been made for. That praise, that ability to worship, that literally is the catalyst that changes everything in your life if you allow it to be. And I think we need to dust off our off our weapon, or just you need to get, take it out of the sheath and you, yeah. use it. <laughs> just use it. It is a weapon to defeat the enemy. And sometimes we can come into church and be so heavy and bogged down, and you have the weapon yes. in your arsenal to defeat the enemy. Yet yeah. you refuse to get it out because I don't feel like it, right? Oh, so yeah. we need to dust yeah. off the weapon that God has given us and begin to use the weapon of worship. Amen? Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen. It's our default. Every, I just kept hearing over and over again our default. It's Internally, we have a default. And you'll, you know better than anybody else, more so than anybody can tell you, what your default is when you become under stress. When you come under attack, when you're under pressure, when you feel like things are going wrong, understanding what your default is. If it's to complain, you need to change your default. If it's, if it, if it's to post on Facebook, social media, change your, definitely, please, change your default. <laughs> your weapon, your default needs to be praise. Wow. It needs to be yeah. prayer. It needs to be reading your reading your scripture we need to change our default we need to reset the way in which the world has programmed us we've allowed us ourselves as spiritual beings to be programmed with natural behavior and we need to reset and turn reprogram ourselves to our default to be specifically each time we get in distress when our boss fusses at us when somebody pulls in front of us and we don't like it our response needs to be one of a spiritual nature because that's what praise is. Our response needs to be a spiritual one. We need to praise. We need to pray. We need to go into the word and let, allow that to be our response when the world decides to tell us we're something other than what we are. Yeah, that's good. And let me just, yeah, that's good. <laughs> um, let me just say this. Parents, your children are watching how you respond in situations and if you can begin to praise or if you're walking around depressed and heavy and anxious and have the news on all the time and, you know, just carrying the weight of the world, your kids are watching the way that you are doing that. And guess what they'll do? That's how they're going to process and that's how they're going to go through. I know something that my mom did for me when I was a little girl. She said I was whiny. I don't know, but that's what she said. She said I was always, well, I don't want to do this and I don't want to do that. 
But the part that I do remember is she would always grab my hands and jump up and down and make me say, I'm God's joy kid and would not let go of my, my hands and stop saying it until I begin to say, I'm God's joy kid. And I can tell you my heart was not in it. She was jerking my arms out of, the so- out of their sockets, you know, because she was continuing to jump up and down. But I, she would not stop until I began to do that. But it taught me something. That I may not feel like it, but I can praise anyway. I can say, "Uh uh-uh, devil, you're not getting my joy today. I refuse to be depressed. I refuse to be oppressed. And so that's some things that we can even teach our kids. They're whining around, hey, let's change the atmosphere here. (laughs) Let's get an attitude of gratitude. Let's begin to thank God. Hey, you have a roof over your head. You have a car, you know, if if they're 16, you know, you have a car or whatever they have in their life. But begin to point their eyes to the goodness of God and the things that are going right and that God's taking care of them. And And honestly, it's not that everything has to go right for them to praise the Lord. Find some things, but it starts with us. We have to find some things. Begin to, like Kinsley was saying, we got to get out our praise journal. Begin to write out, man, what is the trophies of God's grace over your life? Come on, I know he's shown up for a lot of y'all many, many times. And y'all need to start writing that stuff down because when we're walking through the darkest hour, it seems like we get... We, you know, we get Alzheimer's. Yeah. We can't remember any of that stuff, but you can go back to your praise journal and begin to read those things and it stirs up your faith. Oh yeah. Like David. Ooh, I killed a lion. Oh yeah. I killed a bear. Yeah. <laughs> I killed Goliath. You know, those are some, those are some things to give a praise break about. Yeah. 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 The battle, the battle book. Well, well the alter- so what ends up happening if you don't, you become ineffective in your space. When you allow the world to inject all of the distraction, all of the chaos, all of the everything, you become ineffective in the space where God has placed you. You can't, you, you can't assign that to anything other than the enemy or your flesh, one or the other. But it's not God. God's not giving you the distraction, so you, but he's giving you the tool on how to prepare and how to deal when the instru- distraction takes place. The enemy's design, just like Kinsley was talking about, his purpose is to take you out of that, that, that five bars of Wi-Fi. He wants you at two bars or one bar or, God forbid, no bars to where you're completely ineffective. And I want to remind you, your, your areas of influence, your job, your family, your community. If you're ineffective in those places, our community and our world begins to break down. When our assignment is to be the hands and feet of Christ, to go out into the world and make disciples of the nation and teach them to obey, the devil wants nothing more than to make you ineffective at that. Get five bars. I love that analogy, by the way. You need your five bars. You guys remember when Dennis Kramer was here in the springtime, came back. He was a a prophet that had come through, prophetic. And there was a word that he had in that moment that, that I go back to you for Brooke and I that, um, at the end, he said, you know, you've been looking to the left and right and seeing what they're doing and seeing what her, she's doing and he's doing and, and continue to thinking that you need to tweak yourself. I don't need you to be him. I don't need you to be her. I need you to be you. That's right. And he says the same thing to you today. Stop looking around and trying, to, and trying to identify why they're better at this and they're better at that. Listen, if God needed you to have the tools that they had, guess who'd have them? You. He gave you the tools you need. And if there's things that you feel like you need to be able to do and go forth and carry out what God has asked you to do, okay, then ask him for it because he says you can ask you. But I promise you, he didn't, he didn't create a failure. Yeah. 
He didn't. That's not what he does. He's put everything and given you every tool and everything you need to be able to be the person, to be in your space, to walk in that grace that he's given you. And just like Jonathan said, you know, some people say, yeah, but it's so hard. Okay, well, just for a second. What if your grandchildren are depending on you to do it? What if your great-grandchildren could be delivered from a family curse or something that's taken place for the last hundred years in your family that you don't even know about, and it comes down to you making that decision today? What happens if the person that comes into the gas station or the grocery store, that you, if you are in your own space focusing on your own thing and not in a grateful place, how do you know you're not the last person they're going to encounter before they go commit suicide? We think I'm just one person. Yeah, you are one person designed for a place and a purpose with power and a tool and a weapon to deliver the deliver people in this place in Jesus' name because they need to see the light and the purpose that you've been given. What happens if you don't do it? There's, for every action, there is a reaction. What happens if your children your neighbors, your friends, your family. You know, in faith, hindsight's always 20-20. You can see how God is working and how he's maneuvering. And there's been times I'll look back in my life and be like, I get it, that was terrible, but I get it. And there's also been moments where I look back and say, Lord, I know you needed me to do that in that moment, and I didn't. And I just repent because I don't know who needed me to move in that moment. I don't know what you needed me to do, but I, I'm so sorry because you told me to move and I didn't. But what happens if we don't get back in our place? What happens if we're not willing to do that? There are ramifications of it. If David had not gone back, gone back to that throne room in that place, just as Joab said, your men won't be here. You think this is bad? You don't even know bad until the morning comes and you are alone. Pull yourself together. Go back and remember the victories that he has delivered you from time and time and time again and be the king or the queen that he has created you to be and get back to your place. Because he didn't say, he didn't say that you lack. Instead, he said, when you are new creation made in me, you walk in the same authority and the same power and the same blessing and the same gifting that Jesus does. Why? Is because we are made new, one with Jesus. We're not just sitting looking at the throne. We're we're literally sitting there one with him. But if we don't make that choice, If we don't make that choice, just as Pastor Timmy was talking about, to be grateful, to hunker down and be thankful, we may think, we may think that we're just too tired and we're making choices. I'm not going to do that right now, but you have no idea the ramifications you are setting forth for all eternity. And this isn't a guilt trip. I just need you to know that having seen those hard moments in your life, but the fruit that comes from it, (laughs) I wouldn't trade one terrible situation in my life because the fruit that has come from it has strengthened me more than I could have ever imagined. I remember one, one story, and I hand off, sorry. It, my sister and I were driving back from the hospital. We've never really worshiped together. 
But we were such a, like, there was no tears left to cry. This is the third day that my mom had not been responsive and we had the conversation with the doctors. And I remember we were driving back and we turned on Rattle, the, eleva- the song that we sung this morning. And little by little, I remember saying, God, I don't, I don't even, I know you're good, but it doesn't feel like it. I don't even, I can't even get the words out of my mouth to say you're good. So I'm just going to say it in my spirit because I just can't even bring myself to say the words because it hurts so bad. And it, it was just little squeaks through tears as we were driving back. But then the words started coming out. And as you started saying the words of being thankful, then then your spirit started getting stronger and the words started getting louder before you know it. Mean, we, drove, we drove another 20 miles past my other sister's house because we needed it. And we were screaming, worshiping by the time it was all said and done. It was the craziest moment I've ever had in my life. But in that moment, it didn't matter if the doctors called and said, listen, she's died. You know what? We would have rejoiced like we'd never rejoiced before because for the first time, we knew what it meant to be in the place that we were supposed to be. Where are you at today? Where is that place for you today? I think in the middle of 2020, we need to all stand up. And this is our activation time. I think we need to have some gratitude in a moment of thanksgiving or praise. So if everybody would just stand up, this is a moment. And here's the thing, we don't wanna miss out on this moment because we can, you know, we can often hear a message, but we need to just thank God with our own voice and our own words. And so if we could, I just, I want you to think, pastor had this challenge for our service. We need to think of a couple things. He said three things and I think we can do it. But I want you to think of three things and I just want you out of your mouth to start giving gratitude to God. Let's get back in our place, our grace. Here's the thing, it it has been um, just, Many people have agreed that this could be the greatest moment of the church. Right. And in fact, when the light is the darkest, that's when the light of the church should be the brightest. Amen. This should be the greatest moment of the church. You know what will make this the greatest moment is when a body of people rise up in the middle of 2020 and just start shouting out gratitude to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Amen. When other people won't do it, we'll shout out gratitude. We'll find those moments. If I am grieving and sad and in the middle of loss, I will be that person through tears to cry out to God. We'll be that person through tears to cry out to God and say, God, it doesn't look good. God, my life, my family, my kids, it doesn't look good. But God, in the middle of it, I have gratitude. I have gratitude. Yeah, I just keep seeing this visual. Let me just give this to you. Like if you could say this area from here to like right here, just get this visual. Everything in between that is my space. This is, I gotta own this zone because this is the God, the space that God has given me. This is my family. This is my kids. This is my job. This yeah. is the things that God has given me, but it's up to me to own my zone. Yeah. And we got to get our weapon out. And if the devil tries to come into my area, I got to get my weapon out and begin to push back the gates of hell out <laughs> of my this area. Good. This yeah. is my yeah. zone. Yeah. I have authority yeah. in my zone. Yeah. But there's also another edge to this. It's not only that we take authority in our zone and we fight back the gates of hell out of our... Man, some of you, I just really sense that right now. Some of you are really fighting a battle in your zone. Yeah. 
that it's your family, it's your kids. You are fighting a battle right now. Some of you, it's for your mental health, health, but you gotta begin to push back the gates of hell. You've just been allowing it to come into your space. And I just see that, just so many enemies in your space. Guess what, honey, take out your sword. It's the Word of God. Take out your sword and begin to use the Word of God and push back the enemy out of your space. Then there's another side to this. Not only do we push back the gates of hell, but we got to begin to rejoice for the blessing that God has given you. Some of you have been so focused on the negative, you you haven't seen the things that God has given you. Focus your eyes in this moment. Thank Him for the things that He's given you in your space, in your zone. Father, we worship You. We magnify You. We glorify You. Thank You for Your goodness. Thank You for Your blessing. Thank You that You love us. Thank You that You have us in Your hand. That You care for us. That You haven't left us. That You haven't forsaken us, God. We worship you. We magnify you this morning in Jesus' name. So we pour out our praise. Come on, sing that out this morning. It's your breath. Come on, we're going to start praising right now tonight. I want today, I want you to start declaring what you are thankful for. I want you to start having that blessing right now in this moment. What God says to you is that there's a new breakthrough coming today. We're getting back in our place. I want you to sing that out as loud as you can. Come on. It's your breath. It's your breath in our lungs, so we pour out our praise. Pour Come on, out sing our it praise. It's your breath in our lungs, so we pour out our praise. Pour out our praise. It's your breath in our lungs, so we pour out our praise. You know, some of us just need to do that. I love the way that God set up the culture of the Jewish nation is that he required holidays of celebration and gratitude. In fact, in the middle of when they were in the 40 years in the desert, thank God they had that culture where there was holidays they had to celebrate. They had to rejoice. And we need to do that. Let's set that culture in our lives and our home. And let's get there. Thanks again for listening. We hope that this message inspires, challenges, and fuels you up to take a real Jesus to a real world. If you'd like to connect with us in any way, please go to harvestunit.com connect. Or if you'd like to learn more about us as a church, please go and check us out at harvestunit.com. We can't wait to share another message with you next week. 